Welcome to In It Together, a podcast for white allies. I'm Allison Trena here with Tamir Novotny, and we're here to work through the guilt, shame, and fear that prevent us from showing up in solidarity with people of color for our shared liberation. Welcome, welcome listeners. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us for our very first episode of In It Together. I am Allison Trena here with Tamir Novotny. We're so excited to be doing this together with you. It's the first episode, yay! <laughs> Tamir, who are we? Like, how the, who the heck are we? How, who are we? <laughs> who knows? I don't know who I am most days. Yeah. Why don't you start us off? Sure. Yeah. So Tamir and I, we are a lot of things. We're both white people. We're both coaches and we are both folks who are committed to anti-racism um, in our coaching work, in our organizing work, in kind of the way we move through the world. And we um, came together through coaching. We both went through the same coaching certification program. And as part of that program, you get coaching from coaches, <laughs> not surprisingly. And uh, Tamir sought me out to get some coaching. And from that point on, we, we started to build a relationship, a friendship, um, a colleagueship. And through a lot of different conversations, um, we decided we wanted to create a podcast for other white people who are interested in anti-racism, who are committed to anti-racism, but who might be struggling along the way. Yeah. And, you know, when I was going through my training, one of my instructors gave me a list of coaches that she thought I would vibe with. And I looked at them and then I looked at Allison's about page and I said, her, she's the one. And then we talked and I'm like, she's definitely the one. And the more we coached together, I just thought, like, I want to work with her. And here we are. And I'm Aww. so excited. Um, so I'm Tamir Novotny. I mostly use he, him pronouns. Um, some days I'm a little more they. Um, I live on unceded Mohican territory and what's now known as Western Massachusetts. Um, I do this work selfishly out of a need to be a decent human being. Um I know that I cannot do that unless I am actively opposing systems of oppression and seeking to build an alternative where all of us can live sustainably in our full humanity. Mm -hmm. um, and this work, like much of my work is rooted in learning from my own failures, failures to hold space for difficult and nuanced situations, <laughs> challenges around being an ally and what it means to live in my full integrity and, you know, what it takes to both do the work and sleep at night. Um, mm -hmm. And this is one of the, th and, and, and we're not alone in that struggle, right? Like so many of us are asking questions about whether we're actually worthwhile human beings and what, what what's the threshold? What would it take for us to actually be in integrity with our anti-racist practice so that we can actually live with ourselves? Um, and so this for me is an attempt to sort of get some more definitude on that, on that question, right? Like part of this, cause I need it. Mm. Oh, I love that. And I always love, I love listening to your intros, Tamir, because I feel like you're so much better at introducing yourself than I am. I'm like, oh, there's all these things I would want to share. <laughs> like my pronouns, she, her pronouns. Um, I live on uh, unceded Ohlone land known as Berkeley, California. And I just loved hearing your why. And it made me realize I didn't really share my why. So I will share my why. <laughs> um, I think similarly to you, like that, like 
this work to me is about building the kind of world that I want to live in, the kind of world that I want people of color to live in and also white people to live in where we all are experiencing liberation um, and we are not bound to systems of oppression like white supremacy, but really any of the supremacies, any of the systems of oppression that we're currently dealing with. And yeah, I think that's, I'll stop there. I feel like that's my why. You're so much more eloquent though. I disagree. <laughs> um, one thing that in conversations that Tamir and I have had that we've noticed is like uh, white people can often really struggle and we are included in that to find our mm-hmm. place in anti-racism work. Like we can kind of ping pong and vacillate from a, one place to another in a lot of different ways from like being super unaware of our privilege and being very oblivious to that and the harm that we might cause. And then we can ping pong to being so self-conscious that we're completely immobilized, that we feel like there's nothing we can do that like, there's no right move that we can make. Um, and when we go into kind of that area, we can get really self-flagellating and that self-flagellation can show up in our racial justice work. We can totally avoid this discomfort by not showing up at all. Um, or sometimes maybe we lash out when we're challenged by other people. Yeah, all of that. And you know, for us as white people, you know, it maybe we're, we're, we're feeling the intensity of this inner battle. We don't even notice that it's leaking out. And then for people we're working with, especially people of color, it's probably really infuriating and flummoxing and like, what is up with these white people and what's it going to take? <laughs> Something Allison and I were talking about before we press record is like, are white people even serious about dismantling white supremacy? And I think sometimes when people, I would not be surprised if sometimes when people of color see us struggling and making mistakes, the conclusion might be, well, they're not serious. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we don't want to participate in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a ton of different dynamics that I think we've both noticed. And I don't know, do we want to expand upon that, Tamir? Like dynamics in addition to what we've shared that we've noticed other white people experiencing as they engage with anti-racism. Yeah. What's coming to mind for you? My gosh. I think I see a lot of the, like the, the, what's the word that you used? Um, Yeah. I see a lot of the, like kind of being immobilized. A lot of the, I want to know the right thing to do. Like, yeah, to like look at Tema Oaken's work, I see a lot of the perfectionism, the one right white right way, the one white right way, <laughs> and the urgency. Um, so I see a lot of really well-intentioned, well-meaning white people who want to do something. They want to do the right thing, and they struggle when there isn't one right thing or when the things that they need to do are nuanced. Um, And they want often people of color to tell them what to do and to tell them how to do it right. Um, And that's labor that not all people of color want to do. Um, Yeah. So I think some of that, I mean, we'll talk about that, I think, in a a little bit. But that's also the heart of um, one of our desires of doing this podcast is having conversations between white people um, amongst ourselves that don't 
rely on the labor guidance of people of color to tell us what to do and give us the affirmation that we're doing it right. That's a big one. You talked about affirmation. Personally, I have been on a long journey away from affirmation seeking behavior. Mm. And ultimately, you know, uh, perhaps paradoxically, in order to be an actual good person living in integrity with my values, I've had to shed the need to prove to myself that I'm a good person. And just accept like, like we were talking about before we pressed record, and that as Patrice Color says, we're all at least a little hypocritical a lot of the time. Yes. And yes, so yes, yes. We got to live with that and then try to make it not the case over time. Right, a lesson. Really, yeah. Super important for us to be doing that in public. These mm-hmm. conversations, it's really hard to find nuance in a lot of these conversations and things that we're sort of told to do that seem really simple on their surface can feel really challenging for us internally. So mm-hmm. we tend to talk about them in private, in hushed tones, indirectly, and that's not serving us as allies that it's not serving the work. And so this is a chance for us to practice being real with ourselves in public in a way that hopefully can open the door for more of us to show up fuller, more healthfully, more appropriately, um, and with more of ourselves, right? With all the things that we have to offer movement work. Um, Mm. So excited to, to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And just to build on that, like we've talked about really wanting to model accountability to our listeners, to model our own evolving thinking and practices, because we're both on the, we're both on the path. We have not hit some finish line. Um, (laughs) We're still learning and screwing up and taking action and getting feedback. And um, that's, yeah, something that we'll invite you to join us in is uh, giving us feedback and helping us evolve our thinking and practices because we can't do it alone. Yeah. And I just want to name that we know that we're doing this. We're primarily gearing this show towards white people because we do not want to be in the practice of telling people of color how to be allies or how to show up in solidarity. That's not our place. We recognize that some of our listeners may be people of color. We welcome you here. Uh, We welcome dialogue. We hope that some of the things we talk about are useful to you in some way, but we also don't adopt any pretense that they will be. And similarly, I think it's important to say, maybe you just said this, we don't claim any exceptionalism. We don't think we're better than other white people or more evolved than other white people. Um, We're all on this journey, at least those of us who have committed to the journey, we're on it together. And, you know, I'm not an expert, right? We're doing this to figure it out. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. (laughs) Um. Another reason that we kind of moved towards this podcast format is um, we looked at what kind of podcasts are out there. We're both podcast listeners, um, and there are very, very few geared towards white anti-racism, and the few that we found that exist are focused on subgroups of white people, like white educators or white women, uh, which are awesome. A lot of these are fantastic resources, but we wanted to create something um, that was a little broader in our scope. And we have a lot of hopes for what this podcast will help us do. Tamir, do you want to hit on some of those? Sure. And I do just want to name, there are also a lot of podcasts that have been done on different facets of allyship, and they've been done both by white people and by people of color. And those are really important. It is important when people of color are generous enough to tell us about ourselves, it's important that we listen, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, 
what we, I think what we felt was needed or maybe what we felt we needed was an ongoing conversation specifically about how we show up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful podcast, things like black history for white people and stuff that's meant more to educate us and help us understand the history of systems of oppression, very important. But then what we do with that, how we actually work with ourselves to show up fully in response to that is what we're, we're here to do. And on that token, a couple of things we're hoping the show will help folks do is one, break out of these traps that prevent us from showing up fully for racial justice. I think Allison mentioned earlier, these can be things like guilt, shame, fear, trauma and trauma responses, learned helplessness. It's a, it's a long list and maybe an incomplete one. Um, and the flip side of that is by confronting those things, right? By shining the light of our attention on those dynamics, get better at telling when what's going on is not what we might call shadow. And we'll talk more about that, like guilt, shame, fear, et cetera, but actually our privilege or a reflexive flight to comfort, right? And that exercising that discernment, as my colleague and former coach Cheryl Petty often says, is really vital. Um, so that's, that's very important to us as well. We're hoping that doing this inner exploration will help us develop deeper relationships with ourselves, with our comrades, our organizing colleagues, both white folks and people of color, that when we show up healthier, it opens the door for healthier relationships, um, that we develop better tools for working through hard and nuanced conversations. It can often feel when we're working on justice issues that there isn't much room for nuance. And there's a, a, a big cultural current right now where White folks in particular are sort of decrying cancel culture, quote unquote, yeah. wokeness run amok. The New York Times is really like they're very much on that beat. I think they made an editorial decision to pursue it. <laughs> and like that's we're, we're we're not interested in those sort of broad proclamations. We want to dive into the stuff that makes this sticky. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, all of this is successful if we are helping folks show up more fully and frankly, like being willing to question and give up more of our privilege in support of shared liberation. Mm, 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 mm. So well put, so well said. Um, yeah, I just, I, I love everything you just said. And it is, you're, it's getting at some of the tensions that we're holding, right? Like, so I feel like you named one up front that like, sometimes it's guilt, shame, fear showing up in ourselves. And sometimes it's privilege and like discernment is is one of the the tools primarily that we need to kind of hold that tension. Um, another tension we're holding, we'll just we'll just name it. Uh, we're two white people hosting a podcast about race. Uh, shocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not shocking that we're white people. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> we told you we are. Um, and just to we gave a lot of thought to what that means. And we talked about working with a co-host of color. We had a lot of feedback from people of color. Um, and we were advised not to rely on the labor of people of color to do this work, as I mentioned up front. Um, specifically, not to rely on a person of color to hold us accountable or to teach us. And like Tamir said, there are so many uh, resources out there for education. Um, but yeah, accountability, I mean, we'll talk a lot about that, but like it's it's something we need to do with one another as white people. And we were encouraged to have these conversation, these conversations with other white people about our own learning and our accountability together, which is where we have landed. And 
Yeah, we are still absolutely open to working with people of color in different ways if there are folks who are excited about doing this work with us. So we haven't made like a unilateral decision that we will never have a person of color co-host or, you know, um, I think we're open to it looking in a lot of different Mm -hmm. ways, but we wanted to start from this place of um, holding one another accountable as white folks. Yep. And really want to thank the folks who were generous enough with us to just call that out. I think of my my friend and successor, Storm Gray, uh, who runs Emerging Practitioners in Philanthropy. And she uh, called out the fact that often, because originally we were we were looking for a co-host of color and there to be fully transparent. We were thinking, you know, maybe it makes sense for that to be a black woman because, you know, there's, there's lived experience there and we want to focus on anti-blackness. We want to focus on misogyny. Um, and she said, well, appreciate the intent, but the flip side of that is is what we call mammification of black women, where black women are forced into roles of being caretakers, having to, I think her words were something like, uh, tell white people how they're treating us and then make them feel better about it. And we don't want to put anybody in that position. Um, so just really appreciating the the forthrightness of our friends and colleagues who were who just spoke plainly with us. Yeah. Yeah, super grateful for their contributions to our thinking and like shaping the evolution of this podcast. Um, Another tension we're holding is that we as white people can take care of ourselves as white people and center people of color. That taking care of ourselves as white people isn't inherently centering whiteness. Um, We can take care of ourselves, but as white people, that can't be the ultimate goal of anti-racism work, right? Anti-racism isn't about white people making ourselves feel better. Um, but we've got to care for ourselves so that we can show up fully to support people of color in pursuing their own liberation. So there's kind of a, a both and tension there. Mm-hmm. And as Tamir shared earlier, like we're not experts, but we know some stuff, you know, we're white folks who've been uh, doing some work and doing some coaching and doing some work Mm -hmm. in community through organizing um, for a minute. And that's another tension we're holding. Like we, you know, we don't have PhDs in uh, anti-racism, but we have been doing this work for a bit and we do feel like we have some things to share that could be valuable to our listeners. Yeah. Yep. And again, we're doing this because we need it too, because the the answers aren't clean and simple. Um, I also want to go back for a second to what you were saying about supporting people of color in pursuing their own liberation. And I, we we had a conversation with uh, the the national head of showing up for racial justice, which is a white national um, anti-racist organization that supports white folks in mobilizing in solidarity with people of color. And one of the things that they said to us that was really resonant was that we're also doing this out of mutual interest, right? Mm. That our survival as a species depends on dismantling these systems that perpetuate racism and also environmental destruction, right? Mm. And um, there's, so we, we're, we're in it, right? Like we gotta be in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yes, we recognize that as people of privilege, we are not impacted by those systems equally to others. Uh, and yet the survival of humanity depends on us figuring this out. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for adding that bit of nuance there. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a tension between learning and action. I talk about this a lot with my coaching clients and groups I facilitate is that like to do anti-racism work, you actually have to do work, right? You have to actually take action. It can't just be learning, talking, thinking, reflecting, but 
the learning, talking, thinking, reflecting will always be needed to inform our action taking. Like if we're just taking action and not learning, we're probably, you know, we're taking uninformed action. But if we're just sitting around learning, thinking, talking, we're not actually making a difference, a tangible difference in the world and the lives of people of color in addressing our own stuff so we can show up um, for shared liberation. So yeah, that's attention that we're holding as well. You know what, what that brings up for me also is that like, I think about the work that I do in organizations that you do in organizations or people who work in organizations and are trying to push this and like learning, talking are actions in that context, right? Because it's about disrupting yeah. it, but it can often feel like we're not doing anything. So that's definitely part of the tension. It's like, how do you actually know that you're doing anything that matters? And it's, a, it's an important question because shame is a demotivator. Yep. For sure. And I think a final tension we might share is that the knowledge that we know that we're going to cause harm as white people moving through the world with white bodied privilege, and we're going to do everything we can do to not cause harm. And we mean that um, kind of on the most micro and most macro levels, right? Like Tamir and I in this podcast may say things that cause harm, and we want to address that and, and make that right as much as we can. And kind of more broadly, as white people in the world, all of us are going to do things that cause harm to people of color, um, despite our best intentions, despite our best efforts. Um, and we want to support other white folks in doing everything that they can do to minimize that harm, address that harm when it happens, um, and just show up fully. Ditto. And maybe one thing that's important to us about that and that we've been encouraged to do is to practice that accountability in public, mm -hmm. right? So if there are things, we may have already said some things that folks are like, oh, no, that didn't lend right at all. So mm -hmm. we want to hear about that if folks feel comfortable telling us. And we'll, we'll talk at the end of the show about how folks can be in touch. And to the extent that we can, we want to commit to responding to those things in some public way, or at least directly with the people who've raised them with us. So being in dialogue with listeners, we know, as you've said, Allison, that podcasting is not the most multilateral form of communication, but to the extent that we can be in dialogue with you all, that's important to us. Yeah. Yeah. Can we move into some different like highlights of things that we're going to talk about on the show? Yeah. You want me to do that part? Yeah, kick it off for us. All right. So some of the things we're going to talk about, the, the first thing, this was actually the first focus of the show until we were, until we decided to broaden the focus is something mm -hmm. that in the coaching world and the world of uh, therapeutic practice is called shadow, right? Mm -hmm. And shadow refers to the parts of ourselves that are either wounded parts. So they use the archetype of the wounded child, the part of us that's experienced harm or trauma and is in need of protection and love and healing and the protector parts that organize to or don't organize really that have strategies that may or may not serve us to protect those tender parts of ourselves and mm -hmm. so often our our fear our shame our self-doubt are rooted in some form of shadow and so we're gonna spend some time exploring what that is and how it impacts us and then how we can distinguish that from our privilege mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh, I know. Sorry. Feeling the like, Ooh, that's going to be juicy. That's going to be heavy and juicy. I'm excited to get into it. Um, yeah. 
another, another thing that we want to highlight, and again, Tamara and I were talking about this before we press the record, record button, um, we want to look at confronting our deep fears and overwhelm and despair. Um, these are things I see a lot in the white folks that I work with is um, sometimes it's learned helplessness. Sometimes it is true despair and overwhelm at like, what, why did, like, can I really do anything that's going to make any meaningful impact when it comes to anti-racism? What if all this work that I'm trying so hard at is actually not having the impact that I wanted to have, or is actually causing harm, like having fear around that. So um, yeah, we just want to kind of head that or face that head on, um, looking at these deep fears, this overwhelm, the despair that we know comes up for folks individually and maybe kind of grappled with privately. We know that um, other white folks are feeling it too. So we want to address it publicly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was me 45 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah it's coming just, up for us also <laughs> yeah like watching the news and just being confronted again like knowing that white supremacy is a global phenomenon but seeing how it's playing out in real time in ukraine in the mm -hmm. coverage of ukraine in humanitarian efforts or evacuation efforts in ukraine um man, it's just so fucked up and it's like you know here we are trying to help white people show up differently and, you know, we, we confront in ourselves, like, you know, what's this going to do? And I think where we landed was if we don't bet on ourselves, how do we live? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something powerful and kind of reclaiming, and this could be a full on tangent, but like <laughs> reclaiming our, our agency and like really mm -hmm. pushing back against that, the feelings of helplessness, um, and looking at, okay, like I may not be able to uh, do anything to monumentally or fundamentally change this situation in the Ukraine, for mm -hmm. example, but there are a lot of things that I can do kind of in my world around addressing anti-racism, around addressing mm -hmm. anti-blackness in my relationships, in my thoughts, in the communities I'm in. Um, yeah. So my hope is to, to move listeners back to their agency. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in furtherance of the tangent, you know, it might sound, it might sound strange. I don't know to, um, folks listening who don't identify as white think, well, white folks have all this privilege and the idea of reclaiming our agency might seem strange, mm. but I think the reality is that any of us can feel helpless. And in fact, making people feel helpless is part of how systems of any sort of social control are perpetuated, right? What I do doesn't matter. So I'm just going to go along to get along. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly where this phrase originated. I think it comes from feminist literature, but the idea of shattering complacency and reclaiming agency are starting to feel kind of intertwined for me. Mm -hmm. mm. I love this. Now I want to have a whole conversation about this, but we have other things. <laughs> we hope you do too, listeners. We hope you do as well. Um, <laughs> another topic we're going to talk about, which we referenced earlier, is um, taking up space as a white person, um, whether that's in all white spaces or in multiracial spaces versus sharing or co-holding co space. That's such a hard thing for me to say, co-holding space. Um, yeah. Gotta love jargon. <laughs> yeah. How do we show up as white people and not take up the whole space, suck all the air out of the room um, with our thoughts, our feelings, our experiences, but also 
we're humans who have thoughts, feelings, and experiences. <laughs> so yeah. like, how do we share space so that everyone um, in an equitable way can share their experiences and have their needs voiced and hopefully have those needs met? Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking of that well-known quote that when you're used to privilege, equality feels like oppression. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And <laughs> the world is so designed for the comfort of people who look like Allison and me mm-hmm. that when that's not centered anymore, we're like, well, now mm-hmm. I don't know if I can say anything at all. Mm-hmm. And when you say it that way, it sounds like ridiculous, right? But in, yeah. in the moment, it can be really immobilizing and destabilizing. And so mm-hmm. like, let's come to a different relationship with that so we can just stop being weird. <laughs> let's stop being weird. I feel like I'm always going to be like a good amount of weird. So yeah, good weird is good. um and that kind of leads us actually into our final topic or i mean we'll talk about more things than this but Mm -hmm. the um concept of authenticity how do we show up authentically in our anti-racism work as white people how do we not um fall to perform performative expectations like Mm -hmm. how we show up on social media virtue signaling um and so on like how do we show up authentically um and in ways that meaningfully impact the communities we're in meaningfully impact people of color um, and don't just kind of, yeah, pretend. Yeah. Yep. hundred mm. percent. Um, one we missed that I think people are really going to want to talk about is accountability, harm and repair. Yep. And we're, <laughs> we're in this moment, right? I mean, the emphasis of the last couple of years has been in confronting uh, punishment culture as embodied by the prison industrial complex And there's a growing recognition, I'd like to think at least, that the systems we have perpetuate systemic racism, they perpetuate harm to people of color, and they're not really good for anyone, um, except arguably maybe the people who profit from it. Um, And, you know, we're all in this moment. And if you work in an organization or you, you organize in formations that are at least nominally trying to dismantle white supremacy, you've seen how quickly this can go badly. And it's not going badly because it's wrong. It's going badly because we don't know how to do it. And mm-hmm. we're very fortunate to live in a time when folks like Mariam Kaba and Angela Davis and Adrienne Marie Brown are, are pointing us the way towards mm-hmm. ways of being with one another when we feel harmed, when we feel hurt, uh, when repair is needed, in ways that honor our shared dignity as human beings. And so we have a lot to learn about how we can own our own harm. I will share... But I feel like I've caused harm, I get massively triggered and it activates a very old trauma response. And mm. I'm still learning how to navigate that, like just in my body, mm. you know? Mm. So I'm, I'm really excited for those conversations. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that one back out. Cause you definitely, I think that's going to be an exciting one for a lot of folks that a lot of folks will relate to ourselves <laughs> included. Um, we want to connect with you. Um, we hope to have given you a little taste of like the things we might be talking about, how we might be talking about them. Um, and there are a couple different ways to connect beyond this. Um, we hope to have some segments during our podcast where live coaching will happen, where listeners like you can get coaching from us in real time around your allyship. And if that's something you're interested in, drop us a line and, uh, 
how do you, how are you going to drop us a line? Lots of ways. <laughs> um, we have an email address that we will of course link, um, in it together podcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in life coaching, if you have feedback, critique questions, um, please email us. And another way to get in touch with us is going to be to support us on coffee. Um, I don't know how to pronounce that out loud as I'm saying it. It's K-O-F-I coffee. Um, Pretty sure we... it's coffee. <laughs> as in buy us a coffee. Yeah, buy us a coffee. But it's so weird to say support us on coffee. Visit us on coffee. Um, yeah. We're going to try, look at trying out some monthly hangouts with our coffee subscribers. Um, and just, yeah, that's another platform and way to connect with us and all of this will be linked in the places that you can see those links. <laughs> and yeah, we'd love for you to like, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Um, yeah. Do you want to say any more about that, Tamir? Um, my, one of my favorite podcasters go five stars. We want them. We need them. I don't honestly know how that stuff works yet, but we will yeah. find out. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have maybe as a closing thought, I don't know. But mm. I'm thinking about the people, I think you interviewed them in the background we did for this. There were a lot of folks who were like, be careful. Mm, yep. <laughs> and the thing that kept coming up was cancel culture, right? Mm. And this idea that if we say things that feel true to us, that run afoul of some principle that folks may or may not share, that the response will be swift and severe. Yep. Um, and Okay. You know, let's, we'll, we'll see what happens, but you know, we're, we're committed to taking honest critique seriously and really mm -hmm. sitting with things that may feel unfair, but feel like they come from a genuine place. Um, and we're going to exercise our own discernment. And when we feel like those things are made from a place of hate, and I'm talking about, you know, white supremacists who may come across this, right. That like, we're, we're just not going to respond to that. Like, that that's far enough from allyship that we're not going to invest much energy, uh, but we're here, we're here for dialogue. And so I hope folks will take that seriously. Not take that seriously. Like believe us. Take us up on that. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, give us a chance, you. give us a chance to prove that, you know, we want to be in relationship and like, yes. I think both Tamir and I really believe that no one is disposable. No human is disposable. And so we would love the opportunity to practice, um, non-indisposability um with you and to take your comments seriously and to not just write them off as like oh whatever you know like we don't really yeah. care about that if they are made in good faith um and a, with the desire to to be in relationship with us um and also invite you to practice indisposability with us and not just writing us off um if you've got something you want to share that you think should be addressed i'm i'm, I'm laughing because when you said not a possibility, I'm like, recycling? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we're talking about at all. Don't throw us away, um, but maybe don't recycle us either. <laughs> all right. I guess that wraps up episode one. Woo-woo. Thanks for joining us. We hope you will join us for episode two. Thank you. This episode was written by Allison Trey. did the thing. <laughs>